Welcome, everybody, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. With me, as always, the Score's David P. Woods, a man who is getting sick of all these overtime games every week. I think another tie might just break them, everybody. Yeah, we don't need any more ties. We got we didn't have any ties today, so it's all okay. As long as we get a winner, I'm generally happy. Yeah. The Browns seem every week the Browns just want to go to overtime and flirt with a tie every single game. Yeah, it's just life now, I guess. All right, on today's episode, we are going to switch things up just a little bit. One of the goals we had when we started this podcast was to give you as much information as we could and keep it as short as possible. We know you're busy. We want to get you caught up on the fantasy takeaways from the day. Our last few episodes ran a little bit long, and I think that was because we were trying to go over every single game. Now I think we're just going to focus on the most important takeaways from Sunday's action. Then, as usual, we're going to give you an early look at the waiver wire ads that you should be targeting this week. So, in the interest of keeping things brief, Woods, let's get right to it. And there's a lot of places that we could start. Unfortunately, though, week five had some notable injuries, so I think we should begin there. And the first is from the same team, from the same position. It's the league's best offense right now. The Rams have had arguably the league's best trio of receivers, and they lost two of them on Sunday. Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup entered the concussion protocol. Cooks took a nasty hit that forced him out of the game. Cup left later. They were both ruled out. We're going to have to monitor them all week and see if they can get cleared for week six. Recovery from concussions can vary quite a bit. It's a little difficult to predict, but Cup was in the midst of another big game when he left. He had six catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. Cook surprisingly didn't have a catch, but he did leave pretty early in this one. We don't want to spoil the waiver wire section of the podcast. That's going to come at the end, but... Josh Reynolds becomes a very interesting name this week, and he was a player that I wrote up in our Super Deep Sleeper article before the season. He's a second-year wideout. He has a nose for the end zone. He had 12-plus touchdowns in two of his three seasons at Texas A&M, and he scored once last year. He only had 11 catches on the year. One of them was a touchdown, though, and he had two catches for 39 yards, added a rush for 10 yards today, coming in in relief of those two guys. It could also open things up for the tight ends a little bit. They kind of have been cannibalizing each other. It's Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby. Everett would be my pick to step up if those two receivers are going to be out. He's kind of more of a receiver anyway, more than a tight end. If you were going to look to the tight ends there, and it's a year where tight end has been so bad that maybe you are going to look a little deeper and get somebody. Woods, what's your take? Do you like Reynolds? Uh, Not a ton, I guess. The Rams... Well, first of all, we should go over what you said, which is just that these guys could be back next week. We just it's we can't project the timeline of return from concussion, so it's entirely possible we see Cup and Cooks back next week. But it also could be a multi-week absence for these guys. The Rams are, are just sort of a unique offense in the NFL in that they had those three good receivers, and they all play basically all the passing snaps, and they all take about a third of the passing targets. Beyond them, there just isn't a ton on that depth chart. I think Reynolds is a bit of an interesting prospect, but it's just the Rams could maybe, that offense could absorb the loss of one of those receivers, and they'd be fine. But as we saw today, with two of them out of the lineup, Jared Goff just it, it didn't look quite the same. Things weren't clicking. There were a few sort of plays where they had, you know, crossing routes and guys weren't exactly where they needed to be at exactly the right time. So everything opened up like it has for this offense this season. And they leaned on the running game a lot more today, as you'd expect. I mean, they didn't game plan to have two of these receivers out of the game. 
with a week of practice, I'm sure they'll put together something. And I suppose Reynolds is the one that you want, but I'm just a lot less interested in this offense until those guys are back because I just think it was so finely tuned that you take a piece of the machine out and now two pieces of the machine, I, I don't expect it to run nearly the same. I don't disagree with you there. You're definitely right, but I'm going to put some faith in Sean McVay that he's going to come up with a game plan and figure out how to use those guys. And with Reynolds, it's that red zone ability that is very intriguing to me. It was nice to see him come in today and get some work to put up some stats and having that red zone ability. That's what makes him a guy that I could want to grab for an offense that I still think is going to be able to score, even if those two guys miss a little bit of time here. Moving on, the 49ers injury woes continued on Sunday. Running back Matt Breda, he's the latest Niner to go down. Just awful. It's an ankle sprain, though. It, it looked a lot worse. This is the second time that Breda's left the game, and it looked catastrophic. Turned out not to be as bad. X-rays reportedly came back negative, which is good. And he was killing it in the first quarter when he went out. He had eight carries for 56 yards, had one catch for a five-yard touchdown. Then his leg kind of awkwardly bent when he went down. He was taken off the field. He had a trainer on one side. He had Kyle Juszczyk on the other. They kind of carried him off. Very scary scene. While we wait for a timeline, though, and it is just an ankle sprain, but while we're waiting for that timeline, I still think it would be surprising to see him on the field next week. That would mean Alfred Morris is going to get at least one start. It would mean Alfred Morris needs to be owned everywhere. And Juszczyk becomes kind of intriguing as well. Morris had 91 yards from scrimmage in this one. Juszczyk, though, he steps up as the full-time pass-catching back. If Braid is out, he was already getting some of that work. He had one carry for 12 yards in this one. Six catches for 75 yards, though. More of a PPR option. You're definitely going to see him in my waiver wire column this week. Yeah, I, I think Juszczyk is is maybe the more interesting, to be perfectly honest. I think we just we sort of see now that Alfred Morris doesn't have a ton of juice. Obviously, if he's starting there, he's going to get touches. He's probably going to compile usable fantasy stats. But if you're looking for, you know, that the the waiver wire guy to add this week, I think it's probably Juszczyk because Morris is likely still owned in most leagues. I mean, maybe he was dropped back in some places. But those six catches that Juszczyk had today for 75 yards, that's pretty interesting. And I don't think that work's going to go to Morris if we know Breda's ruled out next week. So it's probably going to go to Juszczyk. Now, Carrion Johnson left with an ankle injury as well. He said he's fine after the game, but we know how many players have said that recently, and a lot of them have went on to miss time, so you have to be wary of that. He had 85 yards from scrimmage on 14 touches before he left. It sets up kind of nicely here, though. They have their bye next week. Hopefully, that's going to give him a chance to get healthy. Woods, what do you think about the injury? Do you think he's going to be out for long? I mean, it's hard to say. He said he thought he could have come back in that game. They just didn't need him. So that's pretty encouraging. But, you know, players aren't always the most realistic assessors of their injuries. It's, it's very fortunate that that buy is coming next week because he can really just get off that ankle and rest it up for a while now. I mean, today with Carrion, it was sort of the same thing we've seen all along, which is that he just looks like the best running back on that team. He shows a lot of sizzle when he gets the ball. But LeGarrette Blunt was still working in the mix. Blunt had those two rushing touchdowns. So that was pretty frustrating if you're a Carrion owner. But we're, it still looks like it's going to happen at some point. You know, it's not going to happen next week, maybe in two weeks if he's back healthy. I, I still have faith that at some point this season, Carrion's going to be the guy there and he's going to put up big stats. JGI suffered a knee injury, but he actually stayed in the game in this one. As of now, we don't have an update, but Ajay's just been so banged up this year. He's had a back issue, now this knee problem. Corey Clement's been hurt, Darren Sproles, neither of them were active for this game. So Wendell Smallwood actually turned up. He had six touches, turned him into 72 yards, really making some nice plays there. He's going to be a guy you're going to have to look out for, though it seems like Ajay's probably going to continue to gut it out and keep going here. 
Unfortunately, a guy who won't be, it's a little bit further down the fantasy ranks, but Corey Grant of the Jags, he's done for the year after suffering the dreaded Lisfranc Frank injury. It comes at a time when Leonard Fournette is also out with his hamstring injury, expected to be out for week six. We don't know if he's going to miss more time than that. I think the team's going to want to give him an opportunity to get fully healthy this time. They're definitely not going to want to rush him back. But the good news, if there is any, is that Yeldon actually played pretty well in this game. TJ Yeldon, he racked up 53 yards on 10 carries, had 69 yards and a score on 8 receptions. So if Fournette misses more time, I really feel like he could be out up to a month or or something. I, they would be smart to do that at this point. They're a team that's going to contend. They might as well just get him healthy. I think that would be smart to do. And I think Yeldon is going to be an RB2 for as long as he's out. Yeah, I mean, I think they have to roll with the Elden now. He's basically all they have. I mean, I expect they'll go out and sign a receiving back to sort of replace Grant. I mean, if you really want to get creative with it, the Jaguars suddenly present themselves as maybe a trade destination for Le'Veon Bell. I, I don't think it's very likely that he's going to get traded, and probably not to a team like the Jaguars that already have Leonard Fournette on their roster, but they're one of the few that has the cap space to add him. They want to give Fournette probably as much time as possible to get healthy. Maybe you can talk yourself into it, but again, I, I would be stunned if it actually came to fruition. So those were the main injuries from Sunday. Not the nicest way to start the podcast, but it is important for fantasy owners to know that stuff. It's also important for fantasy owners to know that Patrick Mahomes is human. It took the Jaguars defense to finally prevent him from throwing a touchdown pass, and they picked him off twice in this one. It was a first on both fronts this year. Mahomes owners don't need to worry though. Even against the league's toughest defense, he still threw for 313 yards. He ran for a touchdown. Most importantly, though, he kept all the Chiefs' offensive weapons producing for fantasy. Kareem Hunt, 96 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey had five catches for 100 yards. Sammy Watkins, who came into this one injured, had six for 78. And Tyree Kill, 61 receiving yards and 21 rushing yards. So Mahomes wasn't the weak winner by himself that you were used to the first couple weeks of the season. But fortunately, the Chiefs offense won't be facing this difficult of a matchup every week. Sometimes they're going to get an easier opponent like the Steelers did on Sunday. The Steelers, there were dark clouds forming in Pittsburgh. Woods, you brought it up before that it seemed like they were a team that, you know, maybe you could see a way where things could go off the rails for them. Antonio Brown seemed to be unhappy. He wasn't producing at his usual all-world level. And Roethlisberger was coming off a shaky performance against the Ravens. But the Falcons' defense, with all their injuries, it's a cure-all for any opposing offense. And I feel bad because the Falcons really should be an exciting young defense. But with all those injuries, they're getting destroyed on a weekly basis. Big Ben now has three touchdown passes in three of his five outings this year. Two of those three went to Antonio Brown, who had 101 yards to go along with the pair of scores. James Conner had his best game in a few weeks with 185 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns of his own. And Juju Smith-Schuster, only 39 yards today, but he also found the end zone. So everything is all right in Steel Town again. Yeah, the Steelers are just pretty good at this. You know, every once in a while, there's sort of a minor controversy in their locker room, and it always just kind of goes away. Uh, I don't know if it's the coaching staff or ownership there or what, but they just have a way of bringing everyone back in line or putting out these fires. And I mean, it's kind of scary to consider that we're probably a few weeks away from this offense adding one of the best players in the league back back to the mix when Le'Veon Bell returns and likely assumes his you know feature back role that he had last season and in previous years and this offense is going to get even better i i wonder if it's time to start considering that they, how do they add james connor to that mix because 
potentially they have the best one-two punch in the league at wide receiver in Brown and Smith-Schuster and potentially at running back in Bell and Connor. They might need it. They have a pretty tough stretch coming up. They have a decent matchup with the Bengals next week. Then they go on by in week seven. Then they get the Browns upstart defense, the Ravens, who they had trouble with last week. And the Jags as well in three of their first four games after that bye. So you're not sitting Brown at all. I would suggest maybe considering a streaming option for Ben some of those weeks, though. Uh, we know he has some of the home road split issues. And we know there's just certain games, certain teams he doesn't perform as well against. So a couple guys come to mind, a couple quarterbacks on the waiver wire. But we are going to talk about those later in the episode. Let's talk about some running backs right now. Some running backs who were disappointing going into week five, who we had a little bit of hope for maybe in week five. Let's group them together. So Woods, I'm going to mention a few guys here and then we can discuss them. I mean, the Steelers weren't the only ones getting things back on track on Sunday. Kenyon Drake definitely got things back on track. He was pretty much left for dead by fantasy owners, it seems, but had a sudden return to prominence in week five, 13 touches for 115 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. For the record, Frank Gore was heavily involved here too. He had 12 carries for 63 yards, but this was definitely part of their scheme today. I actually moved Drake up just before kickoff. I saw a report that the Dolphins players were telling some of the media on the field watch out for the run game today I believed it they weren't lying you know before though we get to how to approach Drake fantasy wise let's go through a couple of those other guys like I mentioned so David Johnson the Cardinals got their first win Johnson was a big part of it he had two touchdowns only 55 rushing yards and 18 carries though that's 3.1 yards per rush and he only had two catches for 16 yards so It's a good fantasy day thanks to the touchdowns, but still not necessarily what we're used to with him. LaShawn McCoy, Woods, you know, I'm very open about my successes and my failures, and I definitely didn't expect McCoy to have a good game here. I knew the Bills were going home, and they tend to play a little bit better at home, but that offense had been so bad, and the Titans had looked really good going into week five. I didn't see this coming from McCoy, but he proved me wrong. 24 carries, 85 yards, two grabs for 23 yards. He was essentially their entire offense here outside of a Josh Allen rushing touchdown, but it was enough for the Bills to get a narrow victory over the Red Hot Titans. And the Titans backfield on the other side of the field actually contains another name that I want to talk about here. That's Derrick Henry. On the week five preview show, we talked about Henry, how everything was set up for him to finally have a good fantasy day, and that if it didn't happen this week, We needed to reconsider whether we even wanted to roster him at this point. He had 11 rushes, 56 yards. It's a nice 5.1 yard average. Doesn't really help fantasy owners much though. And it's not like Deion Lewis was blowing him out of the water. Lewis also struggled in this one. So Woods, looking at those four, Drake, David Johnson, McCoy, Derrick Henry, how are you approaching them in fantasy after this week? Honestly, I don't think a ton has changed for me there. I mean, I still actually really like David Johnson. I think he's just not, you know, the first round pick that you expected, the high first round pick, but he's probably would be a second round pick if we were redrafting right now. I think he's just he's going to see enough of the ball, and he's a good enough player that he's going to have his days where he doesn't put up a ton of yardage. But, you know, like today he scores a couple touchdowns, and, you know, he still has some value there. As far as uh, Kenyon Drake goes, I- I'd probably be taking a page from the Dolphins players' playbook there and hyping him up to uh, 
players in your league and maybe trying to sell him after this because I don't see a, a very positive future from here. I mean, he only had six rushing attempts today. He did some damage through the air, like you said, seven catches for 69 yards and a touchdown. But I don't necessarily know that that's going to be sustainable. And based on what we've seen from him so far this season, I think it's more likely that he's going to return to something closer to irrelevance. And looking at that Bills-Titans game, uh, uh, maybe I saw a little something from LaShawn McCoy. I mean, he just looked really good with the ball in his hands. He looked like the old LaShawn McCoy, even though we talked before the season, he's getting up there in age. The Bills' offensive line is pretty bad. But he looked pretty dynamic with the ball. I think, like you said, it helped that the Bills were at home and it was a close game and maybe we can't project too many of those games for them. But these are two two wins for the Bills now. Maybe they'll win a few more this season. And McCoy is obviously a big part of the offense. So I, I don't think he can be left for dead at this point. I think he does have some fantasy value. And if you draft him, you're going to roll him out and just hope that there's a few more better days in the future. McCoy is actually a player who... And stepping aside from fantasy football for a moment, I would be really interested to see get traded. I wonder if the Bills would entertain an offer for him because he's not going to be there long term. He, he's old and the, the Bills are, are rebuilding. I think he could be a real asset for another team and the Bills could get a draft pick for him to, you know, build their offense around next year. But we'll, we'll set that aside because I don't think it's too likely. As for the Titans... Derrick Henry, I just didn't think he looked great today. I thought he looks kind of slow, and I, you know, I, I was sort of high on him before the season more than others, just because I, I sort of bought into the idea that he's this uh, rare athlete. I mean, he's just a huge guy, very fast, very powerful, but he just doesn't seem to have enough wiggle. He he's runs with very stiff hips, and the Titans offense, the rushing game, I guess, in particular, just hasn't really opened things up for him. It's just not quite working. I don't know if it's the scheme or it's that their offensive line really hasn't been healthy, their tackles in particular, and we saw Taylor one got hurt today so there'll be more of that ahead of him uh but i'd be probably looking to just cut bait on henry at this point because it's very hard to see when he's gonna have a a game of usable fancy value if it doesn't come against these buffalo bills my take here is i want to walk away from everyone that i just mentioned i want to take advantage of drake's game i want to get get rid of him the the touches i don't think they're ever going to be where i want them to be i don't like frank gore's involvement in that offense and i don't really trust week to week that they are going to give drake the ball enough to make him a consistent fantasy option i think he got lucky this week that he had a big game i think you should try to move him with dj we're just not seeing the production that we're used to and i bet that there are probably owners in your league that are going to buy into the fact that he is still a top-end RB1, especially after he scored two touchdowns this week. I would try to take advantage of that. McCoy's probably a little more difficult because he's got a little bit of stink on him this year, not just the off-field issues, but the Bills' offense as well. But also, I would try to capitalize on that game this week. And with Henry, I'm I'm with you at this point. I don't think you're going to be able to get anything for him. I think there's probably just going to be options on the waiver wire, especially when you're coming up to bye weeks and you have some decisions you need to make to pick up fill-ins. I think you're probably just going to be fine with dropping Henry. He's going to get picked up because he's a name. There's going to be another owner that has some space on their bench that they want to stash him. Don't panic. Let that happen and let them deal with the headache. That's my approach. You might be right, and and I suppose the most likely outcome is that these guys are all sort of you know, duds for the rest of the season, but it's just hard for me to imagine with the scarcity of running back right now, 
what you're going to be able to turn McCoy into via trade, pro- probably nothing, or what you could more realistically get for David Johnson. I mean, you could get an asset back for David Johnson, but you're probably not going to get a running back back for him. And I just think that the potential of even like high-end RB2 value for David Johnson is probably more valuable on your roster than you know uh, whatever wide receiver or tight end you're going to get back for him. I have some hope for for that Cardinals offense with Josh Rosen to just get a little bit better, and I don't think Johnson needs that offense to get too much better before he can have stable fantasy value. It'll it'll never be the RB1 stuff we were expecting before the season in all likelihood, but I I think he's going to be an every-week starter, and I'd probably be trying to hold him above the other three, but I, I wouldn't tell anyone don't shop Drake, McCoy, or Henry for basically whatever you could get for them if you weren't confident in them going forward. Well, let's touch on another backfield here, and I think it's a backfield, another one that fantasy owners have probably struggled with, and it's the Jets. I'm not sure that there's a backfield that's been more boom or bust this season. Isaiah Crowell started the year with a huge game, 102 yards, two scores. It came on just 10 carries, though. Then he failed to top 35 rushing yards in any of the next three games, though he did have another two-touchdown day in week three. And then this week... 231 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown had a bunch of long runs and his running mate Bilal Powell he's been a little more consistent over the last few weeks he also had a nice one in this game 20 carries 99 yards do we just chalk this up to the Broncos were on a short week they were traveling to the east coast because I mean the Broncos run defense is it's normally not this bad Do we add Crowell to the list of backs that, you know, maybe you should just try to sell him right now and capitalize on what could be a career high for him at this point? Yeah, I think I'd probably be trying to sell Crowell if I got a significant offer for him because I really do think we can chalk this up to the Broncos being on a short week. And I think their defense just isn't at all the Broncos defense of a few years ago. And this looks like a team that's very close to just packing it in on this season. I mean, there's not a ton of hope for them at this point. Case Keenum at quarterback and a, and an old defense that's really lost some parts. I mean, the, the Jets, they're sort of a... They might just be this team. We sort of sometimes see this with teams led by rookie quarterbacks. They have a week where they sort of... Everything's going their way, and the team gets really excited, and there's some, mem- some momentum there. And then the next week, it can all just sort of fall apart as the quarterback throws a few bad picks, and the players just sort of say, eh, well, not this week, but it, it's a rebuilding season for us, so we're going to have some ups and some downs. So I don't necessarily believe that there's going to be any consistent value in that Jets backfield. And the fact that the multiple guys produced today maybe even kind of leads me further away from them because I think we're going to see going forward Powell and Crowell are are both splitting carries. And in a normal week, that's not going to be enough of a pie for both of them to uh, feed off of. What about Robbie Anderson there? Because Robbie Anderson, it wasn't just Crowell that had the the long plays today. Uh, Robbie Henderson had a three catch, 123 yard, two touchdown afternoon. That's more yards and touchdowns than he had all year coming into this game. Anderson was definitely a guy that I was high on before the season. He was a shocking fantasy star last year. I really thought that Sam Darnold would be able to help his cause this year too. The Jets just weren't scheming him the ball early in the season. Then, oddly, I don't know if it was injury or just a decision that they made. Uh, Terrell Pryor kind of began to take a back seat a couple weeks ago. Anderson started to step up, and the offense really, really needs him. I mean, Quincy Anuno is a solid player, but he's more of a possession receiver. 
Anderson is that game breaker like we saw today. And if Todd Bowles wants to keep his job, he's going to want to continue to get the ball to Anderson. Did you like what you saw today, Woods? You know, he was dropped in a lot of leagues, I would imagine. He's only owned in 34% of leagues right now. So he's a must add for me this week. Maybe one of the top ads on the waiver wire this week. But there we go again. I'm spoiling the waiver wire section at the end of the podcast. Yeah, I'm really excited about what we saw from Robbie Anderson today. I think maybe it's not a stretch to say that it coincides with news this week that he won't be suspended. I mean, he sort of had that hanging over him. He had a few arrests on his record, and we thought maybe he'd miss a few games. Found out that's not going to happen, so he's free to play the rest of the season. And coincidentally, this week he has a breakout game. And like you said, I think he's been dropped a lot of places. I would be making him a priority add this week because I think yeah, like you said, he he's the uh, the field stretcher on that team, but I think he can be more than that. Quincy Anoon was sort of just a volume guy over the middle. Anderson's a much more dynamic receiver, the best receiver on that team. And for a rookie quarterback like Sam Darnold, you, you, I expect he'll continue looking Anderson's way. And we saw last season, in the middle of the season, Anderson had a stretch where he was scoring a touchdown basically every game. It went on for like a month, five weeks, something like that. I think he could sort of start a streak like that, maybe not quite the same level, but really go on a tear here over the next little bit and make himself a wide receiver too. I totally agree. I totally agree. Let's run through a couple more quick items here from today and feel free to chime in on any of these woods if you have any thoughts. Odell Beckham Jr. had a week winning performance. It was his third 100 yard game of 2018. He also caught a touchdown and he threw a 57 yard touchdown to Saquon Barkley. Barkley went over 100 yards from scrimmage. It was his fifth straight game over 100 yards from scrimmage to start his NFL career. Just amazing. The Giants lost the game, and there's some concerns about what happens if the wheels come off in New York, but I'm not moving either of these guys right now. I think they're players that you can build your fantasy roster around as you're headed towards a title. You know, I think I would actually consider trading Beckham at this point. I would need to get a big offer back, but... As you said, I think the wheels can come off here. I mean, the Giants are 1-4 and four now. We entered this week with Beckham making some comments very critical about Eli Manning, and we found out after the game that Giants head coach Pat Shermer was very unhappy about that. Now, Beckham certainly wasn't punished for it. If anything, it was the opposite. They let him throw a pass. They threw him plenty of the ball to sort of, you know, quiet him down, keep him happy, at least for the interim. But these Giants aren't really going anywhere. Later in the season, I think they're going to have to reckon with the the question of what is their future at quarterback. And I think it's pretty clearly not Eli Manning. So I do wonder if at some point maybe we see a, a young quarterback in there instead of Manning just to sort of see what they have entering the draft. I think they're likely to draft a quarterback next year. And if that happens, then, you know, the wheels will really fall off and Beckham may become unusable, you know, in fantasy playoff week. So that's not a certainty, but it's pretty safe to say the Giants aren't going to be in the mix down the stretch. And I would have concerns that the offense falls apart and Beckham is unhappy and a problem there. Well, we heard last week when it comes to the Packers offense, Aaron Rodgers wasn't very happy with their offensive performance last week and their struggles this week. Things were a little bit better. They stalled out a lot in the first half, mostly because Mason Crosby missed three first half field goals. He missed five kicks total today, four field goals and an extra point. I'm not sure I've ever seen a kicker meltdown like that, but Rodgers definitely wasn't the problem. He threw for 442 yards and three touchdowns. Devonta Adams played through his calf injury. He went for nine, 140, and one. 
Equinemius St. Brown posted 89 yards. Jimmy Graham 76 yards. And Marcus Valdez-Scantling, 68 yards and a score. He nearly found the end zone again, but it was actually called back because he was down on the one-yard line. The passing game was solid. The rushing attack, though, not so much. Jones led the backfield for the third straight week, but still a three-way timeshare there. He's just not getting enough work to be a trusted fantasy option. It is super disappointing, Woods. Yeah, I mean, even more disappointing than the numbers there are are the snap counts where Jones played less than Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery as far as their running back snaps went. So they just don't trust him right now. As you said on Rodgers, I mean, it's just incredible what he's doing this season. He's clearly not right. And he took some big, big hits in this one and it was very slow getting up, just looked pained. And the guy still throws for 442 yards and three touchdowns with Devontae Adams and a bunch of nobodies in his receiving core. I mean, we are sort of being robbed of seeing Aaron Rodgers in his peak prime with with great weapons around him. I know we had some hope that the Packers receiving game would be a little better this season. We haven't really seen it from the receivers. We haven't seen it from Jimmy Graham, but I mean, it's just incredible what Rodgers is doing. And maybe they'll eventually turn things over to Jones, but I think this is going to be a team that just Rodgers has to put it all on his back this season. Another player that was dealing with an injury and just came back this week was Joe Mixon. Mixon was not disappointing at all. He returned from the injury, 115 total yards and a touchdown. And Marvin Lewis had talked about the you know backup Mark Walton being involved and you know maybe even sort of kind of a timeshare there. That was ridiculous. Uh, hopefully he wasn't trying to mislead us, but it really seems like he was because Mixon handled the majority of the backfield touches in this one. And we'll see what happens when Gio Bernard's finally healthy, but I can't see them taking much away from Mixon. He just looks so good this year. He's a solid RB1 the rest of the way. Yeah, you know I love Mixon. I mean, it's just incredible what he did today. He had knee surgery a few weeks ago. I mean, a minor procedure, but if I had knee surgery, I can tell you I wouldn't be handling 22 carries a couple weeks later. So uh, good for him, I guess. And another back that looked really good this week, Chris Carson. He was also coming back from injury. It turns out that all Seattle needed to do to jumpstart their rushing attack was just take Rashad Penny out of the equation. Chris Carson looks like he's shot out of a cannon on most runs. Mike Davis was also involved in this one, and they just continued to produce. It was great to see. I mean, he had 127 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. He's going to be in my RB2 ranks moving forward. Carson really right now looks like maybe one of the best value picks, and right now he looks like a real significant asset. So we've teased it enough. We finally reached the waiver wire section of the podcast. And remember, this is an early look. For the full list, you can check out my waiver wire column that comes out on Monday nights. Let's start with quarterbacks, and there is a big one at the top of the list here, and that's Jameis Winston. He's coming off a bye, he's been announced as a buck starter, and it's the perfect matchup to return to. We talked about it with the Steelers earlier. Guess who gets the Falcons next week? It's Jameis Winston. Just a dream spot for Winston to come back to here. And we saw what this offense can do with Fitzpatrick at the helm. Jameis is going to be an excellent fantasy start in this one. And he's a player you can hold to see if he can recapture some of that success that he had at the end of last year when he was the number one overall fantasy quarterback over the final five games of the season. Another guy, Baker Mayfield, he's a rookie and there are some ups and downs whenever you're starting a rookie, but he's done pretty well in his first two starts and that includes surviving a game with the Ravens this week. He's going to have a much easier matchup next week in a possible shootout with the Chargers. I wouldn't be afraid to start him there as a streamer. At running back, 
Naheem Hines is owned in 59% of leagues, so that's right on the borderline. He might make the article, but normally when someone's owned in 60% or more, I don't put him in there. But if he's still out there, you need to grab him. He's producing as a runner and a receiver. He's been by far the most effective back in Indy this year. Definitely someone that you want on your roster, especially in PPR leagues. Alfred Morris, we don't know what's going to happen with Breda. It seems like it's not as serious as it looked, but Morris is going to need to be picked up just in case he gets the potential start against the Packers next week. Wendell Smallwood, who we talked about with Ajayi and Corey Clement, Darren Sproles, all banged up. Smallwood needs to be on just in case he ends up being the last man standing there. Same goes for LeGarrette Blunt and Theo Riddick. Until we know for certain that Carrion Johnson is okay and that his ankle is going to be fine, like he says... Blunt needs to be a waiver wire consideration this week. And Mike Davis, as much as Carson looked great, Davis is now the clear number two behind him. He ran really well. Not only is he a handcuff, but he could have some sneaky flex appeal there as well. And Frank Gore, I guess this is just a a very veteran-filled running back section, but he's the last name that I'm going to mention, and he just isn't going away in this Dolphins backfield. And while the upside is limited, he shouldn't be out in the waiver wire. He should be on your roster. At receiver, there's a few more exciting names, guys who could potentially change your season if they can come on in the next few weeks here. Christian Kirk, you know, over the last three weeks, Kirk has topped 85 yards twice, caught a long touchdown on Sunday. He has a history. He has some chemistry with Josh Rosen already. And Larry Fitzgerald's playing through injuries. I think Kirk could be a big factor in the second half of the season. Josh Reynolds, who we talked about earlier, if Cooks and Cup miss time, Reynolds is a must-add in the league's most prolific offense. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, you know, he nearly came away with two touchdowns. And he just didn't look out of place. You know, the odd time Aaron Rodgers looks down some of his receivers and, you know, he seems to get upset with them at times. But uh, Valdez Scantling definitely held his own today. And we're going to see what happens with, you know, Randall Cobb might be back next week. Jarmo Allison is going to have to clear concussion protocol. Both those guys could be in the lineup next week and that would send Valdez Scantling back to the bench. But he could have some fantasy value as long as those guys are out. DJ Moore, it was only five touches in week five, but it was more work coming out of the bye, and the team talked about wanting to get the ball in his hands more. He had four catches for 49 yards, he had one rush for 18 yards. He's a first-round pick, and he's a first-round pick they want to get involved in the offense, so stash him away just to see if that happens. And Martavis Bryant, don't look now, but Martavis Bryant had 91 yards on Sunday. It's so bizarre after the way this year started with him. That he had 51 yards last week, 91 yards this week. We don't know how long this train's going to go. We don't know how you, how, you know, how consistent it's going to be, whether you can trust him or not. But owners that are willing to gamble might want to add him just to see what happens. At tight end, tight end has been so difficult to deal with all the injuries this year. Cameron Brait, though, is a guy that I think's probably been forgotten just because O.J. Howard got hurt and then the Buccaneers went on by. But Brait is a guy that Jameis Winston looks to a lot, especially in the red zone. And Howard's probably going to be out for another week or two. So that makes Brait a sneaky fantasy start. A guy who's probably still going to be touchdown dependent, but that's all it takes this year to be a pretty solid start at, at tight end. Uh, Hayden Hurst, we saw the first rounder make his debut on Sunday. It was a quiet one, but... His involvement's only going to increase in that offense. They want to work him in. They want him to be a weapon. That's why they took him in the first round. And he is a rookie, and we always talk about how rookies can sometimes struggle to be producers in their first season. 
But Hurst is a, an older rookie, and he was very pro-ready coming in, so I'd scoop him up now before he starts to come on. Nick Vanette with the Seahawks. He had three catches for 43 yards. He's the main tight end in Seattle now. Russell Wilson has always worked his tight ends into the offense, and like we said, in a year where the position is so rough, Vanette's a guy that you could look to as a potential starter. The last one we'll talk about is a guy we talked about right off the top, and that was Gerald Everett. If Cooks and Cup are out, as I mentioned earlier, Everett could be a deep add at tight end. He's more of a receiver than a, a tight end anyway, and we've seen guys like that excel. Think of uh, an Evan Ingram or something like that, and I really believe that McVay will work him in if he's missing his big weapons in Cooks and Cup. He could definitely find a way to get Everett involved in that offense. Like I said earlier, you can go to the Score app to see my full waiver wire breakdown, and that's going to be up Monday night, followed by the early edition of my rankings, which goes up Tuesday night. Woods and I are going to be back on Thursday to preview all the Week 6 action. Until then, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Give us a rating and review. It helps us out, and we really do appreciate it. Give Woods a follow on Twitter, at David P. Woods. You can follow me, at Justin Boone. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time, leave on time.